Thank you, Julian, for that awesome introduction. Um, it's true. It does take a miracle from Jesus to organize this man's life. That's absolutely true. Um, well, I was going to introduce myself, but Julian already did. Um, as you can tell, I'm not from here. I have an American accent. I was telling Sean earlier that I was a little bit nervous to speak, and he said, oh, dude, just let the accent speak for itself. Everyone will just listen. So I'm counting on that today, along with the Holy Spirit, too. The Holy Spirit will help me. Um, so, uh, yeah, like Julian said, I, um, I've been here about five months serving with the Frequency Ministry, which is him and Katya's ministry, um, and it's been the biggest privilege in the world. It's also been a big privilege to be a part of Harvest Church. Um, I know the, the week I got here, I was determined to find a church community straight away, and I was going to try every church in Durban, um, but I came here first, and I walked in, and I felt the presence of God, um, and I felt family, and I felt connection, and I, I just knew the Lord was saying, Harvest is going to be your home while you're here. Um, and so I do, like, I really do believe that Jesus is doing amazing things in Harvest Church. I've seen it. I've seen miracles. Um, I've, I've made amazing friendships here, so I'm really grateful to be here, even if it's for just a short time. Um, I, I, my background is, like I said, I'm from Nevada. Well, I'm from the United States. I'm from a state called Nevada. If you guys have heard of Las Vegas, that's where I'm from. Yes, I did play a lot of poker growing up. It's, it's legal, don't worry. Um, and my grandparents had a slot machine in their household. Um, so, but I, I was a Christian. <laughs> so, uh, so I'm just gonna, yeah, I'm gonna pray us in, uh, and then we'll we'll go ahead and get into the word. Uh, yeah, Father, thank you so much just for your love for this church. Um, thank you that revival is breaking out, God. Thank you that you're, you're increasing um, the risk in our lives, but you're also increasing the, the covering that we have um, in each other, the vulnerability that we're stepping into. Um, it's going to be an a, a amazing, beautiful season. Um, and so we just thank you in advance for, for miracles. We thank you in advance for the prophetic breaking out. We thank you um, just for, for a community where people are going to see love for the first time. Yeah, in your name. Amen. Awesome. So like I said, I grew up in the church. Um, I've, I actually don't remember a time when I didn't know Jesus. My dad started pastoring the year I was born in Nevada. Um, it was a big church, and I was your typical pastor's kids. I could walk the walk. I could talk the talk. I could say the right things. I could recite, recite Bible verses. Um, and I loved it. I, th I think it was a beautiful gift that I grew up in the church and I got to know the Lord at such a young age. Um, but I also uh, gained this habit when I was really young of doing things to receive people's love, doing things to receive praise. Um, so all those things that I did, all those things that I said, um, oftentimes they were feeding something in me um, that, that wasn't coming from a healthy place. I'm going to have Mo put up the slide real quick just to, to help illustrate my point. That was me as a kid. I just saw that earlier. I'm like, that, that is the typical. That was me. I was excited about life. I was excited about Jesus. Um, straight lace with my shirt buttoned up to the top. Um, um, I remember this one time in particular um, where me and my family walked into church, and this lady came up to us, and she said, 
wow, she said to my parents, wow, how did you raise such godly, beautiful children? I, I wish more children were like yours. You just have the most amazing, godly children. And that hit me, and it hit my ego, and I was like, yes, it's true. I am a godly son. I'm amazing. Um, I was probably 12 years old at the time. Um, and then later, later on that day in, in church, when, when the service ended, um, me and my brother were doing what we normally do. We'd take the bulletins from the church, we'd fold them up into paper airplanes, and we'd throw them across the room. And uh, the sanctuary that I grew up in was probably four or five times as big as this. It was huge. And so we could get tons of air just by launching these things across the room. And so I, I of course, was better than my brother. And I folded one up, and I threw it across the room. It landed right in the pulpit. And I ran up to go get it. Um, and then I hear this noise, this, this lady's feet clicking with her high heels on, and it's that same lady that was just complimenting me, and she comes up to me and she says, don't you know that this is a house of the Lord? How dare you disrespect it like that? And, and that hit me, that, uh, that statement totally changed me. Whether I knew it or not, that statement changed me. Um, what it told me was that the church was a place to behave yourself, the church was a place to act a certain way, it was a place to act like a good Christian boy, like that boy with the Bible, but it wasn't a place um, to be yourself, because me and my brother were being ourselves, we were just having some fun, um, but, but that lady's love was conditional, her acceptance was conditional. She said, oh yeah, 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 you're a great kid, you guys are great boys, but then as soon as we, we did something that was a little bit um, misbehaving, we weren't, we weren't accepted anymore. Um, and Julian actually talks on this point quite a bit. I think he's, he's spoken on it before. Um, it's, it's this principle that a lot of the church tells us we have to behave first, and then we believe in Jesus or believe what, what the church believes, and then we can belong to a part of a family. Um, and I think there are a ton of churches, there's a ton of communities where that's the principle. It's you must behave first. If you look like us, if you talk like us, if you act like us, then you um, then you say that you believe in Jesus, you, you adhere to our doctrines, then you belong, then you can become a part of the family. Um, and that's just not the gospel in any way, shape, or form. And so um, this was, I, I went through a long journey um, to, to realize that this was a lie that was planted in my head, that I had to behave. Um, and I'll speak a little bit about that um, in a minute here. But I'm going to have you guys open up to Hebrews 2, chapter 14. And I'm going to talk on the life of Jesus today a little bit. Bill Johnson always says that Jesus is perfect theology, which I believe. Jesus was the perfect representation of the Father. He only did what he saw the Father doing. He only said what he saw the Father saying. Um, and so whenever I have a question in my, my life about... Um, about life in general, I go to the life of Jesus first because Jesus is perfect theology. <clears throat> so Jesus wasn't necessarily known for behaving like he was supposed to behave. So there were tons of religious leaders of the day. Jesus was a Jew. Um, that's one thing I know for sure. He didn't behave like, like a Jew was supposed to behave, and I don't think he would behave like a straight-laced Christian today would expect him to behave either. Um, it's true um, that God empowers each one of us to live sinless lives um, and Jesus did say that those who believe in him, in him will see miracles, they will see signs, they will see wonders um, but it's also true 
um, that Jesus was fully man, um, and he expressed himself in different ways other than miracles, signs, and wonders. And sometimes we hold up the godly aspects of, of Jesus, the miracles, signs, wonders, the sinless life, which are beautiful things, but we hold them in a higher standard than, than the humanity of Jesus, his, his weeping, his... his um, yeah, yeah. He, he lived a sinless life, of course, but he still wept. He expressed himself as a craftsman for the first 30 years of his life. These are deeply human things um, that we miss out on oftentimes. And, and it's what Julian was saying about authenticity. This is a huge passion of my heart that we would live authentically as humans um, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So Hebrews 2, chapter 14. <clears throat> sorry, I'm sorry. Hebrews... 2 verse 14. Since the children of God have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that his by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service to God, and that he might, might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, <clears throat> he is able to, to help those who are being tempted. So it's talking about being brothers and sisters of Christ, that Jesus calls us his brother, and he became, he had to become like his brothers. He, he was made fully like us. Um, Philippians 2, 7 says he made himself nothing, being made fully in human likeness. He was made exactly like us. He was fully human and fully God. And this is one of the most confusing things I think in scripture, it's always been confusing to me that God, or that Jesus was fully human and fully God. Um, but it's also beautiful because it shows us that we can be empowered just like he was empowered in, in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Jesus clothed himself in humanity. Um, from day one, he was, he was clothed in humanity, but he was also clothed in his Godship. He was clothed in the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> So you guys might know the story from Luke chapter 2 of Jesus when he was a 12-year-old boy. And I'm just going to read that really quickly to you guys. So every year, his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast. According to custom, after the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I would be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And so I think this is one of the beautiful moments when Jesus didn't behave like a good Christian boy was supposed to behave. 
Um, this always puzzled me as a kid because I thought Jesus was sinning. The, the scripture says, honor your father and mother. Jesus wasn't honoring to his father and mother in this moment. But it's, the truth is that he was. He had no idea that his parents were looking for him. He was doing what the Lord called him to do. He was sitting in the temple. He was worshiping Jesus. If he had known that his parents were searching frantically, I'm sure he would have run back quickly um, and, and honored them in that. Um, but, but I think it's beautiful because as a 12-year-old boy, Jesus was learning how to do life. He, didn't, um, he, he never sinned, of course, but he didn't know how to do life like a, a good Christian boy. It says, just after that, it says, then he went down to Nazareth with them and he was obedient, obedient to them. So he learned from his mistake. He learned, okay, I'm not supposed to do that. My parents need to know where I am all the time. And he didn't sin, he, he, it would have been sin after that point, but he didn't do it again. Um, and then even, even further in this uh, chapter, it says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So Jesus grew, Jesus had to learn how to do life. He had to walk just like you and me, um, step by step and figure stuff out. Um, and that's super freeing to me, um, especially uh, as, as a human who's just, just learning. Um, I think we all still have things to learn. We all still have things to walk out. And I think that can be super freeing to some of us. Um, so another, another moment in scripture where I think Jesus um, displays uh, behaving not like a good Christian is supposed to behave was during the temptation where Jesus um, had a very human moment. He had a very human experience where he faced temptation. Um, and uh, the truth is that Jesus actually could have sinned. I, I didn't used to, to relate to this scripture because I thought, okay, Jesus was God. Um, Jesus couldn't sin. He could, there was no option, but it wouldn't have been temptation for him. It wouldn't have been in, enticing if, if he couldn't have sinned. And so, so he, in this moment, he, he laid aside his divinity so that he could experience what we experience. He, he was tempted in every way, the scripture says. So, so he fully understands what it's like to be tempted. The difference, obviously, is that he never did sin. He never gave in to those temptations. Um, we have, um, but we don't have to um, because we can be clothed just like he was clothed in Jesus. Another moment of, of Jesus' humanity is in the temple in John 2 when he walks in and he, um, he sees people selling things in the temple. He sees the Pharisees being the Pharisees and he, he knocks over the tables and he drives out all the birds and the, um, and the lambs and the cattle and he says, um, he says, get out. He says, what are you doing in my, in my father's house? Um, this is a moment where Jesus was actually feeling very angry. I think it's pretty obvious in the scripture that Jesus was upset. He was angry. And he didn't sin, of course. Again, he didn't take the whip and beat people. He didn't hurt anyone. But he did experience anger at the devil. He experienced anger at the religious systems of the day. Um, and I think for, for many of us, we're afraid to feel feel anger. We're afraid to feel, in the face of injustice, we're afraid to feel anger because we think that's a sin. Um, and if Jesus, if Jesus could feel anger, if he could feel holy, holy anger rise up in him, then, then that's okay for us as well. Um, and a, another moment of Jesus' humanity showing through was at the death of Lazarus in John 11. Um, it's one of the most Famous scriptures, I think, in the world. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. I always remembered it. It was the easiest one to remember. Jesus wept. 
Um, but what had happened really was, was uh, two of his friends, Mary and Martha, came to report to Jesus that, that their brother had died, one of his friends as well. They came and they said, Jesus, if you, if you had been there, he wouldn't have died. And they, and they just wept. And Jesus was moved with compassion and he wept with them. He, he sat there and he cried. He genuinely felt the emotion that they were feeling. He felt sad that he had lost his friend. Um, but if you read that same scripture, a few, a few passages before, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And so Jesus knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. We, we all know the end to that story. Jesus does raise Lazarus from the dead. We're all happy again. But he still wept. Um, that, that always confused me. Why did Jesus choose to weep when he knew, knew Lazarus was getting up? Um, it wasn't out of hopelessness. It, it wasn't out of fear. Um, he knew God was good. He knew he was a, the resurrection and the life. Um, but he still felt sad. Um, and so I think that frees many of us up to, to, to weep with those who weep or to weep in the face of, of sadness or, or loss or grieve um, in, in the midst of, of pain. Uh, I think it's easy to, to give the godly answer when someone asks you what's, what's going on or what's wrong, and it's easy to say, oh, God's got this. It'll be okay. Um, everything's going to work out. God is a good God. Um, but the truth is that we can still feel that pain. We can still feel that um, sadness in, in the midst of hoping for more. <clears throat> and the last and most, of course, beautiful moment in Jesus' life where he displayed his humanity was at the crucifixion um, when he made himself actually vulnerable. Um, the whole world was expecting for him to come and fight. The whole world was expecting for him to, to be an angry uh, uh, warrior just like King David, but the, he came as a weak Jew from Galilee, where no one comes from. He came as a human. He was born in a manger. He was born in a stable. Um, and he was vulnerable, just like you and I. Uh, he chose not to fight. Um, in, in 2 Corinthians 12, 18, Jesus says, my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. So weakness is actually a beautiful gift to God. When we, when we show weakness, it's, it's, not, it's not something to hide. It's not something to, to push away. We can actually celebrate our weakness. I remember a time when I, I was meant to, I, I meant to be leading a, a mission trip, and, and we've got a bunch of students that I'm, I'm leading. And I felt this moment of weakness where I was, I was scared. I didn't know if I could rise up to the occasion. I didn't know if I could lead this trip. And the Lord came and he said, okay, you're feeling weak. I can work with that. That's the best. Just celebrate your weakness. And so I've gotten into this habit now of actually whenever I feel weak, it hurts at first, but then I close my eyes and I say, oh, thank you, Lord, for this weakness. I celebrate this weakness. This is a moment for God to shine through. This is a moment to be clothed in the Holy Spirit. Um, so the, all these experiences that Jesus had on earth, um, these are all very human expressions. They fit into that side of Jesus that we don't really like to talk about or associate, but they're all beautiful expressions of who he was. He expressed himself through deep emotion and sadness. He exp expressed himself 
through close connection with the people around him. He even expressed himself through joy and fun. He turned water into wine. He, he loved to feast. Um, he loved to party. Um, and he expressed himself through craftsmanship. He expressed himself through um, vulnerability and weakness. Uh, so, so it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to be weak. In fact, it's godly to be weak. It's godly to express sadness. It's godly to, to have fun. It's, it's not that Jesus came to make us less human and more godly. It's that he came to let us experience our humanity while fully clothed in God um, and fully expressing and empowered by him. So when we heal the sick, when we raise the dead, when we cast out demons, when we do miracles, we're expressing God. Um, but also when we mourn with those with mo who mourn, when we have righteous anger towards the injustices of the earth, we're, we're expressing God. I remember I had a roommate once who, he was an amazing guy, I loved him to death, but we, I had a hard time connecting with him because I'm a very emotional guy, I like sharing my heart, I like sharing my sadness, all, all sorts of stuff, as you can tell. Um, but, but he wasn't, he never shared what was wrong. Every day he would say, oh, it's been a great day, God is good. It's been a great day, God is good. It's been a great day, God is good. And I had a hard time figuring him out. <clears throat> Until one day I came home from work and he's sitting on the couch and I can tell he's beat up about something. He's really sad. So I sit down and I'm like, hey bro, what's, what's going on? What are you feeling? And he's like, ah, oh, this really bad thing happened in my family. And um, he just started pouring his heart out to me about his, his, one of his family members who had walked away from God. And he was just so angry. He was so upset at the devil and he didn't understand what was going on. And, and he shared that with me, and then he went home, or sorry, went back up to his room, and he, he slept. And then the, ne the next day I wake up, and I see him, and he, I'm like, hey, bro, how's it going? He's like, I'm good. God is good. And I'm like, okay, he's back to normal. And then he comes to me, and he says, Jeshua, I just want to apologize to you. I'm like, okay, what, what do you want to apologize to me for? He's, he says, I just want to say sorry for that moment of humanity that you saw in me yesterday. That, that was not very godly of me, and I apologize. And, and he, it, it wasn't a moment of sin for him. He wasn't gossiping. He, wasn't, he didn't have a bad attitude. He was genuinely feeling pain. He was feeling anger at the devil. Uh, and so that confused me. Um, but Jesus, Jesus isn't like that. Jesus never, ex he, he never apologized for being human. Um, when, he, when he turned over the tables in the temple, he didn't go back to the Pharisees and say, oh, I'm so sorry. That, that, you know, that wasn't my, my godly side of me. That was the human side of me. I'm, I'm, forgive me. And he didn't go back to Mary and Martha and say, oh, I should have wept alone in the garden. I didn't want you to see me in that vulnerable state. Um, that's not who Jesus was. And he... Um, I think this gives us the freedom to be fully who we are. We don't have to, we don't have to apologize for, for our human experience. We don't have to apologize uh, for who we are. <clears throat> In John 1, let's, let's turn to John 1 just real quickly. The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word, the Word being Jesus, became flesh. 
He became fully flesh. Um, I think it's unfortunate that we oftentimes when we use the word flesh, we're referring to the carnal nature, the sinful nature, um, which is true. That's a true part of who we used to be. We are no longer that. Um, but we think that, that flesh, I, I think it's common in the church to believe that the flesh, that our, our humanity is evil inherently, that we have an original sin that's still lingering, but that's not the truth. Um, George preaches that better than I do, but it's true that uh, we are new creations. I have become one with Christ, and, and now not only is my flesh holy, but my mind is holy, my emotions are holy, my creativity is holy, even my anger can be holy. Um, so, so, so now that we uh, realize that we're free to be ourselves, free to experience these emotions, we can, we can do one of two things. We can t continue to try and be that godly church kid. We can continue try to try to be who we think uh, we're supposed to be as, as good Christians, or we can be authentic with ourselves. We can step out. Um, we can share who we truly are. Um, because, because that seed was planted in my mind at a young age that I wasn't allowed to misbehave or um, I had to behave before I belonged, uh, when I got older and I started struggling, struggling with sin, I, I was too afraid to share it with anyone because I knew that since I already belonged um, and I already behaved, and I already believed in Jesus, if I, if I stopped behaving, that was gonna be gone. I was gonna get kicked out of church. I was never gonna, uh, I wasn't gonna be able to be up on worship like I was. I wasn't gonna be able to lead in the church. I was just afraid that I wasn't gonna belong. And I, I think that's a common fear as well in a lot of people in the church that they, they will misbehave their way out of the church. Um, they're afraid to be themselves. They're afraid to share their sin. And, and the church really does pay a price when we choose not to be authentic with each other. The church pays a price because people get stuck in sin cycles. They get trapped in, in these ideas of, of who, who they're supposed to be when it's really not, they're really not acting out there um, in the way they're supposed to be, sorry. <clears throat> if, it, if it's true that Jesus was tempted and he was tempted in every way and he actually had the option to disobey God, he had the option to, to to sin, then we shouldn't have fear to share, our, to share our temptations with the people around us. We shouldn't have, have fear to say, hey, I'm struggling with this. Hey, I have a question about this. Um, I, I lived in that fear for a long time um, until God took me on this journey a few years back of just opening up my heart to the people around me. He, he spoke to me and he said, Jeshua, you're living this lie. You're living as this person who, who behaves, 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 but you're getting compliments for who you, you aren't. That's not who you are. You're, you're struggling. You, you're feeling pain. There's stuff inside you that needs to get out. And so I slowly started opening up to the people around me. And, and the beautiful thing about God is that he is kind. And so he, if he's asking you to step out, if he's asking you to share a vulnerability or a weakness with the people around you, he's going to bring people around you who are safe and healthy. Um, he, didn't just, he didn't just throw me into the church and say, okay, now go share your secrets. No, it was one by one, step by step. I started sharing my weaknesses with the people around me. 
Um, and, and then a, a couple years back, I, I came to this moment where I realized that I didn't have any more secrets in my heart. Zero secrets, not a, not a single one. And that was the most freeing day of my life. I can tell you guys, I would highly recommend to get every secret out of your heart. It's, it's so freeing. Shame cannot live um, where there's light. So bring, bring it to light. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying, please hear me out, I'm not saying that you have to go tell the world your secrets. I would never get up on this stage and just share every secret with everyone in the world. And, and there are people in here, if you asked me a question, I would probably say, eh, I don't want to answer that. Um, one question a lot of people ask me is, did you vote for Trump? That's the, fir the first question that people ask me. I'm probably not going to tell you that right away. We need to build some trust. We need to talk a little bit first. Um, <laughs> and so uh, Jesus, Jesus illustrates this principle really well. He had 12 disciples, 12 people who he walked with every day. He was vulnerable with them. They got to see who he was. But then there were three in particular who he really shared his heart with. They got to see the deep, deep places of Jesus' heart. He laid on their, their backs. He cried with them. They, they got to be with him during the transfiguration, just deep moments, um, only three. And so we need to be careful about the people we share our hearts with. We need to be careful about who we're vulnerable, vulnerable with. Um, but I, I promise you there are tons of people in this church who are those safe people. I promise you, Julian, George, Sean, they're, they're, I, I could name a bunch of people in, the, in this room. God's, uh, God really does, what am I trying to say? He's, he's really created an environment here where it's safe to be you, I promise you. Um, so not only does the church pay a price when we're not authentic with each other, but the world also pays a price. Um, can I be honest for a moment and say that I used to only like hanging out with non-Christians. Um, in my teen years, I thought non-Christians were way more fun. It was way easier to be around them. And that's because the Christians I was hanging out with didn't let me be authentic. They wouldn't let me be myself. Um, I had to put on a persona to be around them. I had to pray the right prayers. I had to say the right things. And my non-Christian friends, they didn't care. Um, Luckily, now God's brought real solid Christians in my life who I can talk about Jesus with and be authentic and be my full self, share my pain, share my weaknesses, share my strength, um, so that th th there are people out there. Um, but the world pays the price because so many people out there believe that they can't enter a church building, they can't come to harvest unless they behave like we behave. Um, it's, it's the behave, believe, belong. And they're afraid to come in they're, because the church has hurt them in the past. They've been rejected, they've been kicked out, or people have said, said mean things to them. Um, but Harvest isn't going to be that church. Someone once asked me a question that was the most confusing, confusing puzzling question I've ever heard in my life. And that was, when do you think the disciples got saved? Have you guys, has anyone ever wondered that? When did the disciples get saved? So Matthew, for example, was a tax collector. It says that he was literally sitting at his tax collector's booth in the midst of sin when Jesus called him. Jesus came to him and said, follow me. Um, and so Matthew didn't 
behave like he was supposed to behave, and yet Jesus still asked him to follow. Matthew probably had no idea that Jesus was the Messiah at that point. I don't, I don't know if, I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like they had any idea that most of the disciples had any idea of who Jesus was until walking with him. And so they didn't believe when he called them. But Jesus did say that you belong, you belong, you belong. And so I think as harvest, we need to step into a season where people belong before they believe and behave. Um, so that means, it's good, I like that. <laughs> So that means when someone walks through these doors and they, you may think they're a sinner or they may look like a sinner or they may look different from you. They don't know how to pray. They don't know how to, to talk the talk. They don't know, even know how to sing these songs. We still show them love. We still show them acceptance so that they can then believe in Jesus because of the love and acceptance we show them. And then they can belong to, or sorry, then they start behaving. We walk with them into um, behaving uh, or, or, or throwing off their old nature and behaving like a Christian's supposed to act, behaving like Jesus acted. So I'm going to challenge each of you guys to, to step out in, vulnerable, in vulnerability this week. Um, find, find someone who is safe and, and share. Maybe it's a secret. Maybe it's a weakness that you're in the midst of. Maybe it's a sadness or a loss, but share that with them, something you've been too afraid to share to anyone in the church. Um, and and because, uh, because I'm saying this right now, I know the Lord is going to honor that, and he's going to bring those people to you guys. He's going to highlight those people to you guys. Um, ultimately, the goal of this whole vulnerability thing that I'm talking about, the goal of this um, stepping out is, is to create family. Uh, Bill, Bill Johnson says that revival looks like family. And so if we truly are stepping into revival as Harvest Church, which I fully believe we are, we're already in the midst of it, then we have to have some way to maintain this, the, these signs, wonders, miracles. We have to have a family. We have to have love for each other that's unconditional. We have to see people uh, that belong before they believe and behave. This is something that, that the church needs. Um, yeah, so I, I really do believe that God is, is bringing us into this season. Uh, the, the Holy Spirit comes to empower who we are in our humanity, and so that gives us the freedom to step out and be fully ourselves, be fully human, clothed in, in God and clothed in the Holy Spirit gives us the freedom to see signs and wonders and miracles, and it gives us the freedom to create um, and, and experience our humanity in the most full and meaningful way. So I'm going to just pray with you guys, and then we can, uh, can I have, is Leah still here, to just hop on the keys? So let's all just close our eyes for a moment. Lord, I just ask that you would reveal to each and every one of us now, uh, reveal to us one weakness, one struggle that we're facing. It could be sin or it could just be pain. It could be loss. Whatever that is, God, just reveal that to us. And then reveal to us the person that we're meant to share that with, the person we're, we're meant to make, take that step towards.
Father, thank you that you love each one of us in the midst of our weaknesses. You love each one of us no matter how we're behaving, no matter how we look, no matter how we, what we believe in, God. You love each and every one of us and you wanna see us walk free. You wanna see us empowered by you and your Holy Spirit. You wanna see us walking in your grace and freedom every day of our lives, Father. Spirit, thank you that we don't have to live with secrets. Thank you for this community of family. Thank you for the leaders of this church who are trustworthy. Spirit, we just ask that you would come and fill those weaknesses with your strength. God, thank you that your power is made perfect in our weakness. Thank you that we can celebrate our weaknesses. We can celebrate our humanity. I think there are some people in this room who've maybe disqualified themselves from ever leading a, um, in the church or ever getting up on the pulpit and speaking or ever praying for people um, up here in the front. And, and that's just not the truth. You are not disqualified. 
Um, and the Holy Spirit's just coming to show you that you are made uh, so strong in your weakness. He makes you so strong in your weakness. So we just celebrate those weaknesses. Thank you, God. ask you guys to do before we close up. Hold your hands in front of you and just look at your, your hands palm up if you can. And, and I used to do this, I, I had a pastor who asked me to do this every day for 60 days. It was a little different though, I would um, stand in front of the mirror every morning by myself, completely naked, and look in the mirror and just say, you are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. And so, since we can't do that in this room right now, we're just going to look at our hands. <laughs> we're going to look at our hands and just say, you are made in the image of God. You are good. You are good. You are good. Every piece of you is good. We're new creations. So each, the blood that flows through our veins is good, it's good, it's good. It's made in the image of God. There's nothing wrong with our, our human experience. There's nothing wrong with our, um, our, our sadnesses, our joy. They're beautiful gifts from God. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, amen. If you guys want to do that challenge... I highly recommend it, 30 days.